and welcome to the Word of Life Church Podcast. We're delighted you've chosen to spend some time with us today. We believe that today's message has the power to inspire and elevate your faith journey. Before we dive in, we'd like to express our heartfelt thanks to our partners. Your generous contributions make it possible for us to continue spreading the gospel, serving our community, and carrying out our ministry. If today's episode moves you and you'd like to be a part of our mission, we'd invite you to become a partner. Your support has an everlasting impact and allows us to reach even more souls. Now, let's turn our hearts and our minds to the Word as we begin today's episode. In the book of Hebrews, there's an interesting passage of Scripture, and it's talking about the children of Israel and God's desire to take them into a promised land. You need to understand this about God. God is not just God. God is your Father, and He's prepared good things for you. Amen. How many of you believe that? God has good things prepared for you. Prepared for you. He said, I, I know the thoughts I think towards you, thoughts to give you a hope and a future. And the, the writer of Hebrews is talking about the children of Israel on their way to the promised land. And he says this statement. He said, now the word did not profit them because they did not mix faith with the word. Um, the, the key to God's word is not just it being written. If it did, you would automatically just walk in the promises because it is written. The key to God's word is not just have it spoken to you and preached to you. If that was enough, then everyone who ever attended any church would be changed. The key to God's word, and this is so big, the key to God's word is for your heart to come in agreement with that word. Is that your heart accepts that word as truth for your life. And this is what that means uh, when it says, the word did not profit them, not being mixed with faith with them that heard it. When you hear God's word, faith is coming into agreement with it. So you're reading God's scripture and say, yes, that's for me, I agree. Yes, that's for me, I agree. Yes, that's for me, I agree. That's not just a blanket text. Yes, that's for me, I agree. I come into agreement with God's word. And I really feel like uh, that what we're talking about today is not just for today, but for many of you, this is a, a habit that you have established in your life, a habit of giving. And God has given us plenty words uh, about this subject. And I want you to come into agreement with it. Uh, you need to understand with giving, um, it's not just um, something that you, you give to a missionary or you give to a church and it leaves your life. No, it's not thrown, uh, it's sown, it's seed. And if you, you throw something away, you're not going to see it again. But if you sow something, you don't see it for a minute. You don't see, if you sow something in the ground, you don't see it, but it doesn't mean it's not there. It may have left your eye, but it did not leave your life. Um, And God has designed this system of sowing and and reaping, of giving and receiving. And it's not throwing things at missionary or throwing things in God's kingdom. God said it's like a seed. It, It may leave your eye, but it has not left your life. And here, it's so important that you understand this for anybody who gives regularly. It takes a lot of faith to sow, and it takes a lot of faith to give, but it also takes faith to receive. Reaping is not automatic. Um, if a farmer sows watermelon seeds and he goes out there and just says, you know what, you know, like I'm going to take this precious seed and I'm going to till the ground and I'm going to sow it. 
The seed may have left his eye, but it did not leave his life. It was planted in good ground. God makes the rain fall, it waters the ground, and out of that a harvest is produced. But if that farmer is just waiting for God to say, reaping is automatic, like the watermelons will just fall on the porch, uh, he's going to be sorely disappointed, and his harvest will die on the vine. Because reaping is not automatic. It takes work to go into the field and cause the harvest to come in. And so it takes faith to give. But it also takes faith to receive. And this word that we're about to to preach to you in the name of Jesus, I want your heart to come into agreement with it and say, yes, that is for me. Yes, this scripture, this teaching, it is for me. I will see this happen in my life. Luke 6 and verse number 38. Uh, Luke 6 is a wonderful chapter. And watch what it says here in verse 38. Give... And it will, this is Jesus talking to me, talking to you, give and it will be given unto you. They will pour it into your lap in a good measure, pressed down, shaken together, running over. For by your standard of measure, it will be measured in return to you. Give and it will come back to you. You don't have to be afraid to give because it may have left your eye, but it did not leave your life. Give and it will come back to you. And it's not coming back to you the way that you gave it. It's coming back, good measure, pressed down, shaken together and running over. Shall people give unto your bosom? But when you give, it will return. When you give, it will come back to you. Uh, this week, and you can probably hear it in my voice just a little bit, uh, but I preach my little heart out like the whole week. I preach Sunday all day, um, and then um, that uh, Monday flew to Columbia, the country, preached all, all day, <laughs> Tuesday all day, Wednesday all day, um, and Wednesday night um, I was off and flying back Thursday morning to preach in the Christmas production Friday night. Um, and so uh, Wednesday night um, there was another speaker who was preaching, um, you know, and that kind of thing. And I was so looking forward to service because sometimes I just want to do what you do. And let's come to church and not think about anything. I just receive worship, take some notes, just enjoy it. Holy Spirit, what are you speaking to me now? Like all of those kinds of things. Uh, And so I get to service and I'm, I'm honestly looking forward to it. And um, they, they came to me, John did. John is our online campus pastor. His father and mother started this work in Columbia uh, years ago. Man, it's a powerful work in this nation. Um, and so John's father had asked John to ask me if I would take up the offering that night. And I looked at John and I, I literally said, no. <laughs> I'm like, no. And he's like, what? And it's, it wasn't because I didn't like want to or don't enjoy it. It's just like, I don't want to do anything in service. Like, can I just have one service where I don't have to do anything? Like, that was what was going through my mind. But my heart convicted me, so I pulled John later and I'm like, I'll do it. And um, when I did that and came into agreement with it, um, of course, you're thinking, well, what am I going to say? Like, I, I didn't think about this beforehand. I didn't know I would do it. And I'm about to have to do it in like 15 minutes. Uh, so what am I going to say? And this passage of Scripture just came so big in my heart. And the Lord really dealt with me, and he, he dealt with my heart and said, even your soul has not come into full agreement with this word. 
Um, Paul wrote to Timothy and he said, Timothy, there have been prophecies spoken over your life. But that doesn't matter unless your soul comes into agreement with them. War, good warfare with the prophecies that came before you. Um, In the Old Testament, there was this city that was under siege. And because it was under siege, no food could come in. And so everything was so expensive and they were eating things that you never should eat. Like it, it should never cross your mind to eat it. And not only were they eating it, but it was being sold. And the word of the Lord came into that community through the prophet. And the prophet said, tomorrow about this time. How many of you know God can change things in a moment? God can change things in a day. And God said, tomorrow about this time, which you were buying for, you know, all these, all this money be sold for pennies. And a man standing there when he heard it said, if God were to open up the windows of heaven, this could not be done. And the prophet answered under the word of the Lord and said, you will see it, but you will not partake of it. And the very next day, the enemy scattered. You know, it's a long story, but the enemy scattered. And sure enough, the prophet's words were fulfilled. But that man didn't get to enjoy it because when he heard the word, his spirit didn't come into an agreement with it. And, and the Lord dealt with me about Luke 6, 38. He's like, even for you, your heart has not come into full agreement with that word. You have sown things that you're not even expecting a harvest on. Give and it will come back to you. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together, running over. If you give, it will come back to you. And the, the term that he gave me that I just preached on that night was, you'll see it will come back to me. You will see it will come back to me. You will see it will come back to me. We're not afraid to give. Uh, Money is not our master. We're not thinking about money all the time. We're not stressed about money. Why? We have a provider. We will see it will come back to us. Good measure. It's not just coming back any old way. It's coming back good measure. Pressed down. Shaking together and running over. It will come back to us. Now, I grew up in a a preacher's home, and uh, so out of that, it's just what we did. We gave. And honestly, I didn't think anything of it. My father trained me, trained me as a young boy. First 10% of all increase goes to God. Someone gives you a toy. We're going to figure out how much that toy costs, and we're going to tithe off of that. Like, that's just how we were trained. Someone gives you a shirt. What did it cost? If you were to buy that shirt, what would it cost? That's your tithe, 10% of that. Uh, And so we were just trained in that. And then the next 10%, and I've done this ever since I was 16 years old, the next 10% goes into savings. And you save it up and you ask God what to do with it and you invest it wisely, all of those types of things. So I've done that for years. But there was one time in my life where I did not, and it was when my father passed away. Up until that point, at the age of 17, genuinely, I and you, you know this if you have children, and if you are under the age of 17, you know what I'm saying is true. You're not thinking about what you're going to eat, what you're going to wear, what you're going to put on. Like, you, you trust your parents are going to take care of that. And in, in my life, like, I would think about, like, at Christmas time, I'm wondering what I get and what am I getting. Or, you know, during, you know, certain seasons, it's like, I hope my parents could buy me those shoes because he has them and, like, that kind of thing. But your faith is in your parents. And when my father passed away, and all of a sudden, I'm not in high school anymore, I'm in, you know, seminary. And I'm up there and I've got an apartment and I'm making a quarter above minimum wage and I've got all of these things like real bills. I'm like, I didn't even know you had to pay for that. Like that kind of, I thought the lights just came on. Like you flipped the switch, there's lights. Like, 
It never crossed my mind you had to pay for, it, for that, like that kind of thing. And then like even something as simple as washing my clothes, like it didn't, it was an apartment, so it didn't have a washer or dryer kind of in it. You had a laundry mat that you'd go to. And I'm like, wait, 75 cents? I'm like all these kinds of things. I'm like, oh, no. Like, and then you have to buy the detergent too? Uh, you know, it rocked my world. Uh, and so out of this, like adulting fast, uh, and so like out of this, it was the, the first time in my life where I felt poor. Now, I'm not sure if I was poor because I did have assistance. Uh, I had to have it. I couldn't pay for school, the apartment, vehicle, all those things without it. So I had assistance coming in, but I was legitimately thinking about what am I going to eat? What am I going to wear? Like all of those kinds of things. I need a jacket. Like I, I need these things. And so I would wait, you know, for things to go on sale at Walmart, and I would get 10 Totino's pizza. They were, if you bought 10, you'd give them for a dollar each, um, and that kind of thing. So I'd buy all the Totino's pizzas, you know, all those types of things, and just load up the house with them, the apartment with them. And um, So out of this, it was the first time in my life where I felt poor. I stopped saving. I'm like, I don't have enough to save, and I stopped giving. I'm like, I don't have enough to give. Um, I, I genuinely need to be given too. <laughs> this, is, this is not like uh, me giving. I, I need, I'm in need of assistance um, and that type of thing. And so I'm in Bible school and I'm loving the Lord. Genuinely, the Lord was ministering to me in big ways. I felt his presence in my life. And I love the church that I went to. I uh, love the pastor that I had. He really loved me and I was blessed to be able to know him. Uh, and so I would sit in service after service. And out of that, I would enjoy the services, but I would never add anything to the church uh, financially. And it wasn't because I didn't want to. I genuinely did. It wasn't like I was just selfish. I understand that's some people's problem. I don't think it's most, but I, you know, I get some people just love themselves so much they're not thinking about anything or anybody else. But I, I don't think that's most. But for me, I, I, I was afraid. I'm like, I don't have enough money, and so I can't do what I'd like to do. And my, my thought process ran this way of when I get more, then I will. Like, when I get more money, then I'll help the church. When I get more money, then I'll help these things. And so service after service is coming by, and I'm tipping. You know, it's like, I got five, and so I put five in, like that kind of thing. Um, you know, that kind of, and so just working that way. But one Sunday night, I never will forget this moment, one Sunday night, um, without any condemnation, I felt the, the compulsion of the Holy Spirit to just trust him as father. And like, I, I thought about that passage of scripture where Jesus said, look at the birds. Um, they don't have a storehouse, but like your heavenly father feeds them. Are you not better than a bird? Look at the flowers. And they're arrayed in all of their glory and splendor. Not, not even Solomon was arrayed like as unto them. Will your heavenly father not clothe you? And I knew what God was trying to break off of my life was this orphan spirit. Like I genuinely thought if it's, if it's going to happen, I need to make more money. And then when I make more money, then I'll be able to give. I'll be able to live a better life. And so my thought process was on earning and buying, not giving and receiving. And the problem with earning and buying is you become the hero. The glory of giving and receiving is God does. And so it's two, it's two different systems. 
And so out of that, like, I felt the compulsion of the Spirit, not just to give, but to trust God as a provider. Because nothing tests God like money. Nothing. Nothing. Uh, This is why Jesus said, you can only have two masters. And he didn't say me or Satan. He said me or money. And, and God's trying to set us free from this because he said, if there's any area you can test me in, you test me with money. Why? Because it's tangible. Um, a lot of these other spiritual things are intangible. You don't really know. But with that, you do. It's clear. Uh, and so out of that, like I sense God like pushing me in that area of like, trust me in this. And so literally what I was thinking in that moment is, Lord, I do, but I don't. Like, I I do have faith, but like, I have unbelief too. Help my unbelief. And he did. Now, this prayer comes out of uh, this, and they'll put it up on the screens, uh, if you will. It's a wonderful passage of scripture about a young man in Luke chapter 4. They'll pull it up real quick. Uh, So I'm sorry, not Luke 4, but in Mark 9. Mark 9 and verse number 20. Uh, There is a father who has a son that is vexed by the devil, and it's bad. Uh, Like thrown into fires, he doesn't know how to control it. His son is in a place where he can't control. He's very nervous about this, as any parent would be. He sees Jesus, and he sees Jesus' disciples, so he brings the, the son to the disciples, and he's like, help him. So they try, but it doesn't work. So they're like, well, take him to Jesus. And watch what happens here. They brought the boy to Jesus, and when he saw him, immediately the spirit threw him into convulsion. Now, you can only imagine this as a father uh, of what you're feeling when this is happening to your child. And falling to the ground, he began rolling around and foaming at the mouth. And when this happened, Jesus asked his father, now this is so, like, this is why Jesus is awesome. Like, if that would have happened at the family dinner table or happened in a service right now, like, everybody would be like, oh my gosh, and like, you know, begin to rush to help. But I want you to see the peace in the middle of the problem Jesus is walking in. And here's how you know you're walking with the father. You always have peace in the problem. And so here, the problem is right there. It's a big problem. It would get everybody's attention. And Jesus is like, you know, how long has this been happening to him? And it's like, he's right there. Uh, You know, that kind of thing. So he asked his father, how long has this been happening to him? And he said, from childhood. It has often thrown him into the fire and into the water to destroy him. Now, you see this spirit that comes on people to destroy people. And, you know, I, I want to encourage you at any of our campuses today, like if, if you sense something in your life that is making you, like, destroy yourself or not want to live, come to our altars for prayer. God loves you, and the spirit of the living God can set you free in the name of Jesus. And so this spirit was on his life to destroy him. It wasn't just to hurt him, it was to destroy him because God had a race for him to run. Um, but watch the Father, and this is so oftentimes where we are, but if you can do anything, help us. And so oftentimes this is where we're at with God. It's like, God, help me. Like, if you can do anything, help me, and we make it all on God. But watch Jesus' response in verse 23. And Jesus said unto him, if you can, 
All things are possible to him who believes. Now, watch, this is where God's trying to get us in in our lives, is that we come into agreement with his word, which is faith. That we're not walking by sight, we're not walking by what we see, we're walking by what God said, and our spirit is locked into agreement. It's an amen, yes, and so be it for me. That's what amen means, is so be it for me. Um, And so out of that, Uh, He's saying, like, get your heart in agreement with what's going on here. We can't just push it all on God. we got to come into an agreement with it. And I love this guy's response. And I want to encourage everyone who's trying to live by faith, you've got to have a a similar kind of nature about you because we always operate from a place of truth. And so watch his heart. And I felt this way, and the story I'm telling, you know, kind of backs this up. Watch this. He said, immediately the boy's father cried out and said, I do believe, help my unbelief. So I'm at this place where I do genuinely believe, but I also know there's something in me that doesn't. And like, for me, God is dealing with my heart. I was, you know, at this point, 18 years old. I'm like, I'm making a quarter above minimum wage. There's no way I can afford life, much less like to give anything. And and I sense God calling me, test me in this. I want to break this orphan spirit off of you. You're not alone. And I'm like, I know that. Like, I know that as as sure as I know my name. I do believe, but there's also this part of me that's really scared. And there's this part of me that, like, genuinely is, is shaken by this moment. But I'm going to act anyway. And so in the face of that fear, with belief and like, I want you to help my unbelief, I gave. And like, you know, you've heard me tell the story before. I watered my seed, um, not with confession, but with tears. Like, I'm like, I will miss you. Uh, and like that kind of thing. Uh, but I tied and I felt so good about myself. But I also felt this rush of fear of like, oh my gosh, what am I going to do? And I kid you not the next week. Um, I go to my mailbox and, you know, we have, I was living in an apartment, so you had like the, the big mass mailboxes where, you know, you have your apartment number on it, you stick the key in and you unlock it. And I go to unlock it and I see something in there and I feel it and I'm like, it's a note. And I open it up and I'm like, it's fat. <laughs> like I knew there was something in it other than just, you know, the note. Uh, and so I open it up and sure enough, it was from Carl and Carolyn Thompson. Uh, two wonderful um, individuals who had just played such a critical role in my life and spiritual journey and formation. And, and anyway, I, I didn't read the, the letter at first. Has this ever happened to you? Like when you felt poor and all of a sudden you feel rich. You're not rich, but you feel rich because in a moment you got money you weren't expecting. Um, you know, that kind of thing. So all this money fell out and I'm like, money! Uh, and, and like that kind of thing. And then I see, like, who, they wrote it, just we're praying, had you on our heart, wanted to send you some money. And I'm like, God, you're amazing. <laughs> Genuinely, I thought it was going to come from my job. Like, I just knew, and, and, and true story, I was up for a raise. And so I was the second employee this coffee shop I was working for ever hired, and they were making managers. They were going to be a day manager and a night manager. And that job paid $1.25 more an hour than what I was making. And I'm like, that's how the increase is going to come. I'm going to tithe, and this is the way God's going to do it. I'm going to be making an extra $1.25, which would take me to $8.50, which is still way too low. I don't care. 
anyway, I'm not going to go off on that. Uh, but, but out of that, I'm like, that's how it's going to come. And I just knew that's what it was going to be. And I didn't get it. And I can remember being so mad and like, God, where are you? And then this note came. And I'm, I'm at this moment and I'm like, God, you are amazing. Like you watched over your word to perform it. You saw my need and like the prophet, you sent a raven. Like this is amazing. And here's what I want you to see in your life. In Philippians 4, go over there and let's look at it real quick. Philippians 4, look at this in verse number 10. Philippians 4 and verse number 10. Uh, Paul is a traveling minister. Uh, like Brian and Natalia, he's looking to plant works all over a region, raise up people who can you know, be over those works and establish God's kingdom in areas that need it. And that's Brian and Natalia's heart, and that's you know, a big part of what our big give is going to, is helping them do that for the first time. It's helped them plant the work and then raise up the people. But they, they want to plant things in key communities that will be pillars of faith. So that's a cool name, isn't it? Plant and put pillars. They'll plant it and then God will raise it up as a pillar of faith in those communities. And so this is exactly what Paul is doing. He's planning works and these works are becoming pillars of Christianity in these nations that need it. Uh, but he knows, even then, like we know now, it's not free. I wish it was. It would be easy if all of this was free. But it, it takes resources and it takes money. And so he would have partners, like we're partnering with them. Uh, he would have partners who should send things to him. But he writes something to the church at Philippi that's very interesting. And I want us to see it here together. Philippians 4 and verse 10. But I rejoice in the Lord greatly that at last you revived your concern for me. You revived your concern for me, that you weren't just living for yourself. And he's like, at one point you, you had concern and then it's like you didn't. And he's about to clarify, but he's like, it's come back to life again. Uh, that you revived your concern for the local church. You revived your concern for ministry. And I know there's so many people in places that have taken advantage of this. And this is why you've got to follow people in places that you believe in and trust, but... He's like, I, I just rejoice greatly over you that you revived your concern for me. And watch what he says here. He's like, uh, indeed, you were concerned before, but you just lacked opportunity. You didn't have a way to get it to me. And he says, not that I speak for want, for I have learned to be content in whatever circumstances I'm in. I, I know how to get along with humble means. I also know how to live in prosperity. In any and every circumstance, I have learned the secret of being filled and going hungry, of both having abundance and suffering need. I can do all things through Christ which strengthens me. And I, I know people love quoting that verse, and it's very interesting, but notice the context. The context is financially. Of like, even when I'm going through hard things financially, I can make it through those things through Christ who strengthens me. And he says this, nevertheless, you have done well to share with me in my hard times, to share with me in my affliction. For you yourselves know, Philippians, that at the first preaching of the gospel, after I left Macedonia, watch this, watch this, no church shared with me in the matter of giving and receiving but you alone. 
So we think, oh, well, everybody else will do this. And so that's the connotation, especially like in big ministries, of like, well, the person to my right or left, they'll, they'll help, and, and they'll do it, and, and they'll give. And he's like, no, that's actually not true. I planted all these churches. That's how we got the letters of Corinthians. It's because he planted a church in Corinth, and that's how we got the letter of Ephesians, because he planted a church in Ephesus. So he's planted all these churches, and you would think, like, for the church of Philippi, Philippians, like, they're all given. And he's like, actually, no. You're the only one who is. And today I would say that. It's like, it's, it's, it's not, don't look around and think everybody is. Literally, in the United States of America, the average Christian, as of today, the last reporting that I have looked at, the average Christian gives 2.7% of their income. Now, that's not to their church. That's just gives. Not to the church. But, but to, you know, their mom, uh, you know, an orphan, 2.7% of their income. And so he's saying, don't think that everybody else is doing this. But he's pointing to them, but you did. And watch what he tells them. Not that I seek, for even in Thessalonica, verse 16, you sent a gift more than once for my necessities. Not that I seek a gift itself, but I seek for the profit which increases to your account. I have received, that's an interesting scripture. I don't have time to teach on it, but it's almost like you have an account in heaven. Um, but I seek for the profit which increases to your account. I have received everything in full. This is the way we want Brian and Natalia. This is the way we want Poindexter Campus. I have received everything in full and have abundance. You're amply supplied, having received from Epaphroditus that which you sent, a fragrant aroma, an acceptable sacrifice, well-pleasing to God. And I want you to notice this. The gift that they gave blessed Paul. The gift that they gave blessed God. And for all of us who give, the gift that you gave, it blesses the church. For any of us giving in the big gift today, and if you don't want to give to that, that's fine. You don't have to. Um, But for anybody who is, it will bless Brian and Natalia. It's going to make their life a whole lot easier next year. We're going to free them up to think about ministry and not have to worry about money. Uh, We're going to help them plant a work that will be a pillar of the faith in an area that needs it. Uh, We're coming to our Poindexter campus, our brother and sisters, literally a part of this family in the Lord. And we're coming to that campus and we say, you have done so well. And you have Poindexter campus. You have done so well. That campus is fully self-sustainable. It's amazing. You've done so well. I'm so pleased. But, But out of that, we want to give them a hand up with projects. Because here at like our Lakeland campus, if a, if a, uh, you know, a, a thing goes out, like our projector went out the other day, we are big enough here at the campus and we have enough come in that we can do that without an offering. We can take it out of our surplus. But out of that, for that campus, when it comes to projects, they need a helping hand. And we want to bless that campus. Even if you don't want to attend it, we want to bless it because it's doing something amazing right there in the heart of a community that needs it. And so out of that, it's going to bless Brian and Atai. It's going to bless our Poindexter campus. When we give to this, it's going to bless them. But I also want you to see it blesses the Lord. He said, for the Lord, it was like a sweet-smelling sacrifice. He's like, it came up before him as something beautiful. It, It came up before him as something wonderful. But he said, it's not only going to the Lord, but watch this in verse number 19. 
And my God will supply all of your needs according to his riches in glory in Christ Jesus. So watch what he says here. He's like, it's going to be a blessing to the people you give it to. It's a blessing to the Lord. But then he also says, it is a blessing to you. Once again, how did we start this message? The word did not profit them, not being mixed with faith with them that heard it. Standing on this promise, my God will supply all of my needs. Now, this is key. He did not write this to the church at Corinth. He did not write this to the church um, at, at Ephesus. He wrote this to the church at Philippi. Why did he write this to the church at Philippi? Give and it will come back to you. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together and running over. What he is telling the church at Philippi is you sent once and again to my necessity. And I want you to know. That when you did that, Luke 6 and 38 is activated in your life. You didn't lose that money that you're giving. My God will supply all of your needs according to his riches in glory. And this is what I saw. Like, I believe, help my unbelief. And he did. Like, God showed up, and I'm seeing God move in my life where it's like now when it comes to tithing and now when it comes to giving, because it's, it's not just a scripture, I, I have seen him do it. It came back to me. God took care of me. But notice how it came. According to his riches in where? Glory. According to his riches in glory. My God will supply all of your need according to his riches in glory. And it's like, uh, how does that work? Uh, you know, what does that look like? Um, here's what this means. Um, Jesus' first miracle was a financial one. Um, um, a bride and a groom had run out of money to buy wine. And um, out of that, they had this big feast and they run out of money uh, for the wine. They didn't have enough. And it was going to be very embarrassing for them. And Jesus' mother sees this financial need and this thing that would cause embarrassment in their life financially. And she comes to Jesus and she's like, "I, I want you to help them. And he said, my time is not yet, but she didn't even listen to him. She's like, whatever he tells you to do, do it. And he points to these guys and he he tells them, take the, the water pots and fill them up with water. And it said they went and filled them up to the brim. And when they drew out and and brought it to the governor of the feast, it turned into wine and not just wine, the best wine the governor of the feast had ever tasted. He made this statement. He said, most people put out the best wine. And then when people have well drunk, they bring out the cheap stuff you got to read your Bible. Uh, and, and out of that, the governor of the feast said, but you have saved the best for last. Now, here's why I tell that story. This is the scripture for it. Watch this in the book of John. John chapter 2 and verse 11. This is the beginning of his signs. Jesus did in Cana of Galilee and manifested his what? Glory. And his disciples believed in him. My God will supply all of your needs according to his riches in where? Glory. And this manifested his glory. What is this? God meeting your needs according to his riches in glory is simply this. In this moment, there were no grapes to work with. In this moment, there was no wine pressers to press any grapes with. In this moment... There was not enough time to make wine last, uh, you know, that would last long enough to be stored and kept until it could mature to become good wine. 
Nothing in the natural could take the credit for this. Nothing in the natural could be pointed to. When they were to ask, where did this wine come from? They couldn't point to a winemaker. They couldn't point to a process. They couldn't point to a certain grape. There was nothing in the natural that could take the credit for it. When they had to ask, where did this wine come from? The only thing that could be pointed towards was the Lord. And when the Lord is the only thing you can point to, the Lord is the thing that gets the glory for it. And God supplying all of your needs according to his riches and glory simply means this. You may not have the job that can do everything you need it to do. You may not have all of the connections that you need in order to do everything you need to do. You may not have the education. You may not have the the right opportunities. But when you have God in your life, you will see that even if you don't have any of these natural things, you have a God that can override all of that. And when you see his provision come in and you see it the only thing you can do is say look at God look at Jesus it came back to me but it didn't just come back it came back good measure pressed down shaking together running up God meeting all of my needs according to his riches and glory and let me tell you the end of that story real quick As soon as I got that money, I just rejoiced. I felt rich, and I knew exactly what I was going to do with it. Have you ever planned money you didn't even have of, like, what you're going to do with it? Of, like, just thinking about what you will do with that next paycheck or that unexpected thing. It's like, when I get that money, you already knew what you were going to do with it. And I already knew what I was going to do. I was going to buy a coat with it. It's a true story. I was going to buy a coat with it. Um, in the, the, the place where I was at in Oklahoma, it got a lot colder there during winter than it did here in Mississippi. And so I would have to walk uh, to school, and then I'd walk to work. And those walks were getting hard because it was getting colder and colder. And so I knew I was going to take that money. I was going to buy a jacket with it. I needed a jacket. And it was a jacket that I saw a couple of weeks before this at the mall. And I thought, when I get money, that's what I'm getting. That's what I'm, I'm getting, that jacket. And it was, you know, it met a need and desire. It was need because it was functional and warm, but it was, you know, nice enough and desirable enough that it's like it was a good-looking jacket. So it was like that perfect mix. And, and so, like, I set my affection on it, and I'm like, I'm going to get a jacket when I get money. Like, that's what I'm going to do. And so this money comes in, and I'm like, God provided enough uh, to meet my needs and get me that jacket. And as soon as I had these thoughts race through my mind, the Lord spoke to my heart and just really dealt with me. And this is what the favor of God does. It shows you people and it shows you projects that your heart just smiles on. It shows you people and it shows you projects that your heart just smiles on. It's like, I want to help that. And I could not get this kid out of my heart. He's a friend of mine. He went to Bible school. And I could not get this need out of my heart that I needed to go to the admissions office and I needed to... to, put this money that was just given to me towards his account. I'm like, I don't even know if he's behind. I've never heard him complain. You know, I'm trying to, you know, go against everything that's in my heart. And I'm like, this is a legitimate need. It's cold out here in these streets. Like all of these kinds of things. Uh, And I'm just debating with it. But I couldn't shake it. And so, Lord, help my unbelief. I believe, help my unbelief. And I just acted on it anyway. And I I went to the admissions office and I said, you know, I want to put this money towards so-and-so's account. And I named the guy. And out of that, she took it and she counted it. And she looked up at me and she said, did he tell you he was behind? I'm like, no. 
I'm like, I just had it in my heart when I was praying. And she's like, she is behind. He is behind. I'm like, really? She's like, yes. And she said, young man, you heard from God. I'm like, I did? She said, yes, it's the exact amount of money he is behind on. True story. And you could not have slapped the smile off my face in that moment. I had heard from God. I, I, I had come to a place where I'm like, I saw, like, I know him. Like, I know his voice. Like, that really was him. And I walked away, you know, from the office, and it's cold outside, but it didn't matter. I was warm from the inside out. Like, I had this, like, sense I had known God. And here's what you need to know, that, like, buying and earning, how much joy does that really get people? Think about your, the celebrities that you know. I just read Elon Musk's book by Walter Isaacson. He's not happy. Got all the money in the world. Miserable. See, because we place so much in our consumer-driven culture, we place so much on buying and earning. How much joy does that really get you? How much happier are you? But giving and receiving, like when you know you heard from God, when you know you heard from the Lord Jesus, when, when you know you helped a young person in need get a coat, when you know you helped a young family get some presents for their kids this Christmas, when you know, when you know you did that, I guarantee you, you get more joy out of giving than you ever do out of earning. And you know what? When you have things in your life that did not just stop, but you know God gave me that. Like, I, you know how many times I drive away from Island Colony crying? You know how many times I leave, like, sitting there in, like, this little place that's in Fondry, and it's like my little room before I come out, just sit there crying? You know how many times I think about Poindexter and just cry? Because with each one of those things, we didn't deserve it, we didn't earn it, God gave it. And when you receive something versus earning something, and you look at it and say, God did that, God did that. God did that in my life. God did that in my family. It gives you a joy that earning could never, ever give you. That buying could never, ever give you. That's not the end of the story either. I walked back to that apartment just so happy. I'd heard from God. Next day, kid you not, next day, hand before the Lord. Next day, I get a knock on my door. Is that the perfect moment? I was in between going to school and going to work at the coffee shop I worked at. And knock on the door, and I open up the door, and there's a lady. I recognize her face. She worked with my sister. And, and I knew that, like, she worked for um, a minister by the name of Keith Moore. Now, I had not told anybody, anybody I needed a jacket. It was only a desire that the Lord knew. No one knew this. No family member knew it. No one in my school knew it. The only person who knew it was the Lord. And the Lord had also just seen me give my jacket money away. And she said, Brother Moore was out riding his motorcycle the other day and, and just felt impressed to give you this. And she handed me this box. She said, I wrapped it. I was like, thank you. And so I shut the door and I go back and I open up the box. And when I do, I undo the bow and I pull aside. Yeah, you know, I'm not neat. I, I, I make it sound, I ripped it off. Uh, and like all, all that kind of thing. And like a rabid dog. And so like out of that, I'm like tearing this thing up to see what's in it. And when I, I do, I pull out an Armani leather jacket. That's a true story. Lord, I believe. Help my unbelief. He did. This, this is not a message of like you give 
your jacket money away and God's going to give you an Armani jacket. Like, <laughs> this, this is not something that I am preaching to drive selfishness further into your heart where you treat God like a slot machine and be like, today I'm going to give him $130 and God's going to give me a raise. Uh, you know, that kind of thing. 777, he's not a slot machine. This is, though, you do not have to be afraid to give, that you are not a better giver than your heavenly father is. You are his child. He loves you, and he's affectionately for you. And when you care about the ministry, and you care about people, and you care about Holy Spirit-inspired needs, and you care about these things more than you care about yourself, and you take on the role of a servant, and you seek to serve other people instead of to be served yourself, you seek to make this earth a blessing and to be the hands and feet of Jesus. I'm telling you, when you do this, you will see you do not have to be worried about your money. You do not have to be afraid over your need. That when you give, you didn't lose it. It didn't leave your life. You sold it and it will come back to you. Good measure. Press down, shaking together and running over. When you care about ministries and you get behind these works, God is able to make all grace abound towards you so that you always have all that you need and are able to give unto every good work. God will meet all of your needs according to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus. And when he does, you've got a story that when you point to it, you see the Lord. You see his goodness. And it leads to a deeper discipleship in your heart and life. And so today, let me pray over you. Father, I thank you for each and every person. I ask you to bless them. I ask you, Father, to bless their seed, bless their life, bless their offerings. Father, I thank you in the name of Jesus. That we don't have to be afraid to give, that it will come back to us. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together, running over. Father, I, I thank you for Brian and Natalia. I thank you, Father, for their labor of love. I thank you, Father, that you bless them and that you just make their light shine big in that nation. Father, I thank you for Pastor Rob and Kim. I thank you for our Poindexter campus. I thank you that it's a light and a beacon in that community and you give it everything it needs to finish its course and to run its race. Father, I thank you that it's just a city on a hill that will not be hidden by anything the enemy tries to hide it with. Father, I thank you that you bless these works. But Father, each and every person who gives to it, Father, I thank you. You give back unto them good measure, pressed down, shaken together, and running over. Father, I thank you that anything that they need as individuals to run their race and finish their course, that Father, you add it to their life according to your riches in glory by one Christ Jesus. We love you, Father, and we thank you for it. In Jesus' name. Amen and amen.